0: hello and welcome to another episode of the life after cardiac arrest podcast with me your host paul swindell today i'm joined by Willem pretorius who's uh, an expat from south africa but i believe you've been living in the uk for around 20 years now yeah, that's right, Paul. 20
1: long years in this cold weather.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're not missing that, son, at all, are you? Not at all. No, loving every minute. <laughs> well, thanks very much for joining me today, Willem. Um I've got a couple of subjects that I'd like to talk to you about because... You've had a slightly different journey to a lot of other people that I've spoken to before. And uh, I just start off with uh, perhaps rereading your first post into the um, Southern Cardiac Arrest UK uh, Facebook group, which I believe was um, May 2018, so about 18 months ago. I won't read the whole lot of it, but um, I just read a couple of uh, paragraphs of it or sentences. Constant fatigue is an absolute problem that I just can't seem to get over. I am unfortunately by nature a person that pushes myself, so find myself constantly dealing with the result of that. I've not been back to work for 14 months now. Coming from a high-pressure job to just about surviving every day is a hard slog. And I I think that sums up a lot of people who are in a perhaps similar position to yourself with the the fatigue and the fact that you've basically uh, lost your job from that but today i understand you've got some good news so you tell me a little bit about your good news and then perhaps go back to what i just said about what you were thinking when you wrote that first post
1: yeah sure i think it's um well, i think the good news is that i've after a few months of job hunting and fighting the recruiters i've managed to land a job again um doing uh, what I was doing before, but at a bit more of a junior level. So I thought to myself, I'd rather go in a little bit more junior and um, give myself some time to just adapt to working again and then really just analyze you know, where I am. Um, I used to work in a very high-pressure environment. Um, I'm not quite ready for that yet, but going in somewhere a bit more junior, um, earning a bit of money again, um, having a bit of social interaction is definitely something that I'm really looking forward to. Um, so I guess, I guess it's quite a long way from where I came from that first post. Um, I had been, you know, like a lot of other people on year, gone through the fatigue problems, um, missed work, missed the social element of work, um, found myself every day pushing myself to do more and more things and then flagging for a few days after. Um, I've come quite a long way from then, I'm, I'm now able to manage myself a little bit better and do more things as well than I used to do. Um, And generally, I get it right some of the time, not all of the time, but I think the fatigue is something I've learned to manage a lot better. And on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't have that much of an effect on my living anymore.
0: That's brilliant to hear. And and congratulations about finding that um, job, because I know it hasn't been easy for you the last uh, year or so. Um, And how did it all go, the the, uh, interviews and uh, the actual process? Were you particularly nervous, more nervous than you would have been if you'd just been going from one job to another job?
1: I, I guess so. It was it was very difficult for me. Um, first of all, writing a CV is something I'm not very good at. Um, I've um, had <laughs> to get other people to help me to get the CV ready, but I also had to dumb my CV down quite a bit. Um, I used to be an IT director, and I wrote my CV at an engineer level, which is quite a few levels lower, And then I found talking to recruiters, they were wondering, but why am I going for such a lower level if I'm used to working at a high level? Trying to explain that away was was quite challenging. Um, They didn't really understand it. And the ones that said they did, you didn't really ever hear back from them. So I found that quite difficult. Um, The interview process um, I did find a good recruiter. She was really, really good. She spoke to me and told me what her concerns were. Um, she put my CV forward. So my first um, interview was a telephonic interview, but um, the gentleman was a bit late and I was in Alderney, literally running to the airport on a phone call to this guy saying, you know, try to talk him through a little bit of what I am, what I'm doing, where I am, you know, what's happened to me. And um, we only had about 15 minutes. So we had to condense it out quite a lot. Um, they then invited me for a face-to-face interview, um, which again was quite difficult in some ways um, because my experience is management, is project planning, is you know delivering, whereas this role is a much more engineering, very technical role. Um, and I, you know, it's things I have done in the past, but I had to explain to them, you know, where I was, why I want to do it. Um, and I, I thought the interview went well, but I didn't think that they liked my skills that much so i had quite a long wait before i heard back from them and surprisingly i was the preferred candidate so i was really pleased with that and um i had a meeting with them in the hr today and the onboarding process so i am i'm in some the
0: way yes fantastic yeah did did, did your uh the, the topic of your cardiac arrest come up you know for why that sort of um when was your cardiac arrest again Can you- uh, uh um March 2017. So it's sort of like two and a half years or so that you haven't worked. Did that did that come up in the in the interview?
1: I I made it very clear to the recruiter from day one. Um, I was very apprehensive of going into a job with this sword hanging over my neck. Um, I didn't want to be in a position where if something went wrong, they go, "Well, you didn't tell us about it, so you know you're out." Um, I thought honesty from the right from the get-go was very important. So I told the recruiter about it. I said, please make sure they know about my my um, health. Um, we spoke about it in the interview as well. But to be dead honest, they weren't especially interested in that. They seemed to accept it. And they were kind of happy to just judge me on who I was then rather than this other baggage that I have, which I thought was actually quite nice. I didn't have to keep on justifying You know this cardiac arrest problem. They were just, can you do the job and let's make it happen, which was really refreshing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very nice to hear. Did did they understand the difference between a cardiac arrest and heart attack? Unlikely. Um,
1: Most most people don't really understand it. Um, I still, you know, like yourself, people just keep on saying heart attack, heart attack, and it's infuriating because I know the difference, but you know, I think you can't really bully people into accepting and understanding it so i just kind
0: of crack on with it now Uh well well, it's, it's great that they've accepted you for for who you are and what you can do for them which is how it should be really so um good luck with that and i wish you all the the best for the future but perhaps it's it's um a great point to actually talk about your actual event um you said it was march 2017 um just wonder if you could sort of briefly talk about your life uh, a little bit beforehand and then sort of tell us about the the day if you're able
1: for sure yeah i mean unfortunately my memory of the day is non-existent i only have what other people told me but um i guess you know before cardiac arrest um i was quite an active person um I did a lot of running. I was quite fit. Um, I was training to do the Brighton 10K run. Um, Work wise, I worked silly long hours. I used to run um, projects all over the world, operations all over the world. I traveled everywhere. So, very busy lifestyle. Um, I tried to balance it out by keeping fit. Um, I'm a South African. Um, I probably didn't have the best diet. So, you know, I'd always go steak over fish or steak over chicken. but, you know, I guess it was quite a shock. Um, I, I went out for a run. Um, I had apparently tried to go for a few runs in the weekend. I complained about back pain. Um, I was midway through a run, apparently called my ex saying, my back is really sore. Come, please come pick me up. And by the time she got there, I was gone. Um, and the next thing I know, I woke up from ICU about almost two weeks later.
0: Uh-huh. So whereabouts did that actually happen just on the street? Um, yeah I was running
1: Um, again luckily I stopped at a pub Um,
0: as South Africans (laughs) were intended
1: (laughs) (laughs) kind of a blessing in disguise but not Um, it was on a Sunday on Mothering Sunday Mother's Day Sunday in 2017 it was also a day where I think England was playing football so when the uh, my saviors called um, the ambulances they firstly thought I was um, a gentleman that maybe had a few too many drinks rather than a runner Um, but when they said look he isn't running gear he's not been in side then they i think they're a bit more serious about it so um yeah um i have no memory of it i, I do every now and then get a few kind of snapshots and the
0: from a few memories here and there but other than that nothing else so, so what happened when they came and um picked you up as it were what what had happened
1: um well <sighs> I, I didn't have any CPR. Um, the people that found me thought I was breathing, but obviously I was having agonal breathing. Um, I think the first time I had CPR was actually when the ambulance crew arrived. Um, I, I believe I was down for about 16 minutes before they got my heart going again. Um, I had fallen um, forward on my head, so I had a big old bash on my head. I actually read the report this morning, funny enough. Um, um, and they were kind of treating that and trying to get my heart back up and running. Um, they rushed me down to Brighton um, where they fitted a stent. Um, and I was in ICU for two weeks before I woke up. I'm very confused. I mean, it was – I didn't really know why I was there. Um, they eventually moved me to the cardiac ward and I didn't understand why people were in and out in two days. And I was there for you know, a good 10 days afterwards. So very confusing kind of time in my life and the memory was really really difficult um i think because i've been down for such a long time the the oxygen deprivation had a real effect on me and still does now and my memory is still an ongoing issue for me but yeah scary times um i was dead set on resigning my job and you know giving up everything and you know there's a it's a time I don't want to have to go through again because nothing made sense. Everything was backwards. Uh-huh.
0: So w- when you were in hospital, you said, uh, was it just about two weeks? Um, did they do much uh, in- in investigations on you or is it just a monitor to you? You said you had a stent. So was it clear cut? You, you had had a blockage?
1: I, I believe so. Um unfortunately my, my memory of the hospital days is not especially very good. It's very very vague. Um so I was in ICU for 2 weeks. And they they said there was a blockage so they put a stent in to fix that. Um what I also remember hearing is what the only that's the only place that there was a problem. Generally the rest of my arteries were fairly clean. Um so I think it was sounds like a bit of a one hit wonder or one hit unwonder <laughs> not sure what you
0: call it but bad, bad luck. luck. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean did do, do they did do they give you any reason for for your artery blocking them did it, was it related to your diet and lifestyle or was it stress or or what it's a very good question um
1: i think it's probably a combination of everything um i have um engaged with um the kind of the lipid clinic in brighton and they did do tests on me um they said to me i had some funny weird genetic marker that does cause high cholesterol so I guess that's probably ultimately the the, the, the main reason for it, um, but not much else. Um, they kind of, once they've got you marked in your, your solution there, they tend to move on from it. So I'm now trying to do the best I can at keeping healthy, keeping fit and generally eating healthy
0: mm-hmm. as well. So when, when they discharged you from the hospital, did, were you um, given any medications or a, a rehab program or anything like that?
1: Yeah, medication is something I never really took before. Suddenly, I had this bag of meds to take. Um, I'd had some seizures in the ambulance. so They gave me some anti-seizure medication. And then I think just what everybody else has, basoprolol, um, aspirin. They put me on statins. They put me on Ramipril and something else I can't remember. Um, they... They kind of didn't give you much more than that at the time. Um, I did get cardiac rehab because I was lucky I had a heart attack, um, but I found cardiac rehab very disheartening in some ways because there I was, you know, 40 years young with a bunch of 80-year-old people doing very funny, weird exercises. I didn't really see the value at that time of it Um Again, I was probably lucky I, I did get through the NHS a little bit of access to, I think, like a, a neuropsychologist that came to my house. They also um, provide me with occupational therapy at the time. But I think it was the, the timing was completely wrong because after three months, they were dead set in getting me back to work. And my brain was still trying to make sense of what one plus one was uh-huh. most of the time.
0: So you had an occupational therapy through the NHS, did you? That as well, Is that, that, yes. that, I believe that'd be quite unusual. What, what hospital were you at then? Brighton. Okay. That, well, that, that's good to hear that they're on the ball with that sort of thing. But you just think the timing uh, was not appropriate for where you were?
1: Yeah, I think the, the occupational therapy. I mean, she was very good. She did try and help me out. But I don't really think they understood the, <laughs> the cardiac arrest side. They didn't understand the brain injury side. Um, she kind of went through the motions and... You know, after the the period I had, it was like, right, you're good to go to work. We're going to sign you off. You can go back to work now. And, you know, she'd leave and I would have forgotten what we spoke about five minutes later. So I think, you know, basically they tried their best to help out, but... The timing of it was the wrong timing. Um, I could have done with that much, much, much later, you know, probably six, seven, eight, nine months later would have been more appropriate for the level of therapy that they gave me.
0: Mm-hmm. So so what sort of state were you in at that time in terms of, you know, physical and what what you could actually do? Uh, fatigued, massively fatigued. Um, I was spending, you
1: know, I'd reckon almost a whole day on the sofa. Um I would struggle walking for five or 10 minutes. Um, I walked to a post box that was 50 yards down the road from my house. Um, i come back and I'd sleep for two or three hours afterwards. So fatigue was a real problem. Um, I think memory-wise, just basically trying to figure out life was a real challenge. Um, I'd come out with real deficits around the cognitive side. Um, and I didn't understand it. So I was fighting it, trying to still be the old me and do the things I used to do and getting quite frustrated, but I couldn't do some basic things I used to do. So I think generally, they're probably emotionally in a really bad place, cognitively in a really bad place. And fatigue was a massive issue for me.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what environment had you you been discharged to? Um...
1: Um, back home. But... I guess I was I was on my own a lot. Um, my ex did take off some time to take care of me, but you know, she had to go to work, so I would be on my own for a big part of the day. Um, and what I did was sleep, and I would have the, the occupational therapist come over for a half an hour, an hour, and they'd go, and I'd sleep again. So that was kind of my my recovery for probably a good eighteen months was just sleep, recover, sleep, recover, try and try and recover, and
0: you know, trying to make sense of life. Yeah. I mean, I can totally understand that because I, I, that's what I did for a, a long, long time as well. Watch daytime TV every now and again, which <laughs> drives you mad. I've watched
1: every single box set under the sun. I don't want to watch any more <laughs> box
0: sets. I've <laughs> had <About> enough. <laughs> it's true. I, I never watch TV during the day anymore. So it's a good cure for that, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> so 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 what happened next and so um i think in in that post that you made or maybe a a um a post later you wrote that you tried to return to work in in february 2018 um and you do say within my view uh, disastrous results could you sort of tell me about how come you you by the sounds of it you were still in a pretty bad way but how, how did you come to decide that you should go back to work?
1: I guess there was an element of um, occupational therapy that I'd gone through that kind of told me I should go back to work. Um, I was not enjoying being at home, being alone. Um, I think the the social, you know, the, the, the not having social life around you was very difficult for me. Um, and also I was being encouraged by people around me to get back to work. Um, so I thought, great idea. I'll go back to work. Um, my boss at the time was also a good friend of mine. He'll take care of me. Um, I'd spoken to the HR department about going back to work, but going back in a very quiet way, just reading emails for a couple of weeks and you know, just really gentle, let back into the environment. Um, when I got there, it was very obvious that they haven't really spoken to each other about what I'm going to be doing. Um, my my boss, again, is a friend, but he is used to working hard, delivering hard, and he gave me a lot of work to do. Um, and I just felt completely overwhelmed by it all. My expectation was I would go there, just, you know, almost reintegrate into the organization, speak to people, check my emails, make a few phone calls. The next thing I know, I was writing job descriptions and I was having to plan projects and my brain was just not in a position to cope with that. Um, So I I spent two days working and then I kind of crashed and burned and um, I told them I couldn't come back.
0: Uh And how did they take that?
1: Um, They were good about it. Um, I think they probably took my criticism a bit on the chin. Um, I did say that you guys really hadn't spoken to each other about what my expectations were. Um, HR really didn't do anything to even check on me if I was okay. They... Let me go in and, and kind of step back, which was not really what I was hoping for. I was hoping for a little bit more hand holding and just a bit more care um, i mean i 'd gone through quite a major thing. My brain was still in a real mess, and it would have been nice to have a bit
0: of tLC and back into the work environment mm-hmm. I mean the work they were giving you was it the same sort of stuff that you was doing before or was it um, or was it yeah. different N- Not very dissimilar they were probably they
1: gave me. You know, I, I was managing teams, so I got involved again with the, the kind of the job description process, and I had quite a big list of things I had to deliver by the end of the week, and I just I wasn't capable of doing that. I couldn't I couldn't focus enough. I cognitively I was still really struggling, um, and it became quite obvious to me that you know when I, I'd finish working four hours and I'd be crashed on the sofa for the rest of the day without being able to even move. So it wasn't you know. I wanted to try it out. Um, It was a good thing to try. But also, you know, I I realized very soon that wasn't the right thing for me at that time.
0: Mm -hmm. So you say you um, were working from home
1: for quite a while. Um, I I did work from home. Um, They wanted me to come to the office. Look, if you want me to come into the office, there's no way I can commute the almost the four hours up and down, work for four hours and survive a day. This wasn't going to happen. So you, you knew your limitations then? Absolutely, yeah. Which I'd, I'd communicated to them, but again, I think the, maybe the understanding of what I'd said wasn't there. Um, I had said to them, look, I cannot commute every day to the city. The commute itself is an absolute killer. Then you want me to work four hours? I can't do that. But yeah, I think the expectation was a little bit different to what I had asked them to, to prepare uh-huh. for.
0: So, so, what happened next then?
1: Um, well, at that point, I think is where the insurance company got a little bit touchy about it. Um, and they then suggest I should get proper occupational therapy. So they engaged a the company that is a, a occupational therapy company. And I had occupational therapy, I reckon for about, oof, I've got to guess about four, five, six months. Um, unfortunately when this all finished, my, my return to work meeting turned into we making a redundant meeting. So, um, They were good, the occupational therapists. They did try really hard. They taught me lots of coping mechanisms, I guess. They taught me how to manage myself, manage my energy levels, um, take care of myself a little bit better rather than having a day where I do 10 things and run myself ragged, spreading out a little bit better and planning a bit better and resting a bit more and you know, really having a better understanding of the situation
0: I Uh was in. So I was going to say, I don't think, well, I haven't had any OT and I don't hear about a lot of people um, getting occupational therapy and for you to have had sort of two lots, uh, it's quite remarkable really. But would you be able to sort of explain what happens in a session perhaps or or a couple of sessions? I know you you have, uh, for anyone who's interested, you did actually uh, blog about this um, for us a couple of times, but it'd be good if you could sort of uh, talk about, what they went through? Of course, yeah. If I can (laughs) remember,
1: memory is still a little bit of a problem. But I guess it was the first few sessions was really about setting some expectations, what I wanted to achieve, um, what they thought they could support me in. Um, So we kind of agreed a bit of a framework around how we would do it, where we would go. And then the sessions would be really mixed. Um, There was a lot of memory training. So they would Give me a load of words to try and remember and that asked me to repeat them back, or that pictures that show you, you memorize the picture, they come back and ask you about the picture. And there was this constant reinforcing of trying to get the memory to work a bit better. And we had sessions on fatigue where we spoke about what fatigue is and really how to try and manage it better and how it applies to me and when they would come back the next week we kind of rerun that and see well how have you dealt with this how have you done that they would then go back to the memory again and it was a lot of different things they were doing to try and you know i think probably prickle the brain a bit to work a bit better but also teaching me how to deal with the signs of fatigue and how to deal with uh, just the, the cognitive problems that i had and um it was very good. It was, I think it was good from my point of view to understand really what I was going through and learning how to handle the situation and how to take care of fatigue and, you know, not to get too down if I can't remember something because it is just part of what we all go through, I suspect. So, um, generally, I think overall it was good. Um, it's a shame I didn't go into actually going back to work and still having that support that they would have offered me. But I think as a exercise in helping me out at that time, it was very, very useful. And I still apply the the same things. When I get tired, I now know how to handle it. I know how to see when tiredness is coming before and managing it. It was before I would just have pushed through and broken myself and have been in a bed for a couple mm-hmm. of days afterwards.
0: Could you sort of uh, give any uh, anyone listening uh, any of those tips that you, or strategies that you use?
1: I guess it is very much an awareness. Um, so the thing I used to do is really f- fill my days with lots of things and try and push lots of things into one day. Which I now know if I do it now, no matter how well I handle, it, I will still get fatigued. So spreading out things, um, not doing too much in one go um, when. I did a bit of work for my company from from home um, and things like, you know, I was reading documents, but it is cognitively really challenging. So read for a bit and then just step up, stand away, take a breather, just walk away for a few minutes and then come back again. So just give yourself a little bit of a break to give your brain some time to re- recover and refocus again. So it's really about managing it, um, not you know, not pushing yourself too hard, recognizing when fatigue is coming and making an allowance for it before it hits
0: you. Because generally when it hits you, it's mm-hmm. a little bit too late. So but were you finding things like focusing and reading and, and maybe how is your speech as well? Because they tend to be quite often connected.
1: Yes, um, I I've, I've learned <laughs> lots of words from you, Paul. I think aphasia is something I struggle with. So, finding the right word, I get quite a lot. Um, reading has improved massively. I've always enjoyed reading. So, um, but I, you know when I started reading, I would read half a page and go, I've got no idea what I've read. Um, but I've kept on going. So, I think it's it's just keep on reading, keep on reading, keep on reading. And it does improve over time. It's fa- aphasia, I still struggle with. Um, I often find myself in the middle of saying, going, I don't actually know what that word is, but then I'll explain what the word is rather than trying to find the word. It's also something they taught me. So rather than, you know, busting your brain, trying to remember it, just change and explain what it is. Cause most people can then usually work with that. So yeah, it's um, yeah, mm-hmm. ongoing. But
0: you, you talk very, uh, you, you're quite fluent now. So it, it's, it's, obviously um, you've worked hard on it and your brain has recovered to, to a reasonable degree.
1: Yes, I think if I compare myself to where I was, you know, when I came out of my um, hospital experience, I, I have gone quite a long distance. Um, I have worked really hard at improving myself. Um, I am very much a go getter. I, I tend to, you know, push myself to a point where I break very often, um, and that, from a point of view, is not ideal. But it has helped me to recover um, in in some ways. So. I'm not a person that can, you know, I like a challenge, I like pushing myself, and that's the way I seem to learn the best, is by pushing myself to breaking point, figuring it out, pulling it back, and then, you know, mm-hmm.
0: adapting. You said you, you, you like a, a challenge, and I know you've uh, you've got back to doing some running, so h- how's that all gone?
1: Um, at the moment, not so good. I, I've got a bit of a sore knee for the last few months, I'm not doing that much running, but it's something I really enjoy. Um, it's nice going out to get some fresh air. Um, I, you know, It was something I was doing before I had my cardiac arrest, and it's a bit of normality for me now post cardiac arrest, um, but I'm keen to do a bit more. Um, I know Paul Alexander did the, the ride London this year, and somewhere along the way, that's going to be on my radar as well, jumping on the bicycle and doing that. But there's lots of things I want to go and do. Um, I don't want the cardiac arrest to define my life. You know, there's things that I was going to do before cardiac arrest, and I'm definitely going to make sure i do the uh-huh. postcard if you
0: is it changed your your view though in how you achieve those and uh, perhaps adjusted your sites to not go quite so high or or go for heights in a different way
1: <sighs> that's a very good question um unfortunately by nature i've i'm i've been always been a very competitive person so in some ways i still have that i really want to achieve as high as i can um I probably have lowered my sights a little bit. I'm probably a little bit more cautious in how I do things, but I'd say that's only slightly. Um, I'm still the first one jumping off the bridge if there's a bridge there to be jumped off. Um, I'm not (laughs) sure that will ever change.
0: Hopefully there's somewhere to land on when you jump off of this bridge.
1: (laughs) It's an optional extra. (laughs)
0: So th- th- there's always been people. Or there's been several people in the group talking about jumping out of a plane for uh, to raise money for us. You'll be you'll be there for that, will you?
1: <laughs> yes, I have done it before. So I've I'm been. I'm quite keen to do it. Oh yes, I've I've done some crazy things in my life, and um, as I said, I'm quite keen to keep on doing them because you know I've died once. What have, what do I have to lose? I might as well make the most
0: of it. Uh-huh. Has it has it changed your view of um, death, if you like, or dying, or the, the, coming to the end of your? your time on this planet
1: I've always lived my life to the fullest I've always enjoyed squeezing every drop out of life Um, in some ways it's probably reinforced that more because you know life is so precious and I would much rather experience everything life can offer than being afraid and not doing those things um, it's such a precious thing to live in Um. Again, for me now, the the thing that's really quite topical is if I if I hadn't survived, I wouldn't have seen my son grow up, and I haven't been, would have been able to do the things I do with him now. So it slowed me down a bit. Um, I've got more things to kind of deal with, fatigue and cognitive problems, but it does stop me from wanting to do those things and enjoying life and making the most of it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And one one of those things you said, although you're not running at the moment, one of the things that you uh... You did, uh, I believe, earlier in the year was was running, and you did a race with your saviours. So, how how was all that? That sounds like- that
1: that was last year. That was that oh. was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, um,
1: that's the race that I um, raised the money for for you guys or for SEA. Um, I I kind of wanted to meet the people that were involved with saving me, so I met the non medical people. Um, I, I bumped into them through kind of organising it, and I've actually become quite good friends with them. But I was really keen to also meet the ambulance crew, so um, that got done through the um, PSA. I remember the name now? But they organised for me to go out and meet the ambulance crew. Um, we all had a big old cry, lots of hugs, and um, they all said to me, they you know they don't often get or they've never met anybody that they've saved or survived cardiac arrest. So for them, they were quite emotional. And um, the one of the girls told me that she'd lost her dad um, when he was you know. When she was the same age as my son had been. Um, So it was quite an emotional journey, but um, one of them is quite a keen runner. I said, well, I like running as well. And so we agreed to do the Rygate 10K. Um, One of the girls has never run before, but she dragged herself running and she finished it up. And it was, again, it was just, it was such an emotional thing to do because, you know, running is not the cause of my cardiac arrest, but, you know, it was it was quite topical when it happened to me and doing it with the people that saved me was just quite a, I think almost closing a circle. So, um, it was a really good time out. I still have contact with them. Um, and I'm definitely keen to do a bit more of that.
0: Uh-huh. So did you run all the way together?
1: Um, we, hmm, again, I blame brain injury on that. <laughs> I probably should have stayed with them, but I was like, right, I'm going to get myself a good time. So I raced around. Um, I did wait for them at the end. Um, Again, it's my, I really should have stayed with them, but at that time, things don't always compute. You kind of forget about the, the niceties of life. But um, they all made it through, um, and we had a, probably about 10 pints each after, which was fantastic, <laughs> <laughs> just to celebrate.
0: <laughs> oh, you deserved it by the set. Was it 10 pints each or between
1: you? <laughs> no, probably not quite each, but there, <laughs> there was a lot of very happy people drinking lots of beer. Yeah,
0: well, that's great. I mean – um, I always say that meeting uh, your saviors is such a, a, a great experience that I think if, if you can do it, that people should do it because uh, it's a win-win. Because it, I, I don't know about you, I, I felt like something had been lifted off of my shoulders. I don't know, it was a really weird experience, but an emotional experience. What about you?
1: Yeah, very much so. I think it was seeing the people that saved your life was. And when I saw them, I started crying. I'm I'm a bit of a, I I like crying in any way. So that's not really a a surprise, but, you know, hearing their side of the story and saying, you know, what they found when I was, when they found me and, you know, the reality of it was quite, was quite scary. Um, But then also hearing their life stories and just how it's affected them. And I think being able to meet them. And then meet me for them was, they didn't know what happened to me. They wasn't sure if I'd survived and seeing me there for them was amazing. And for me, seeing the people that saved me was also just, it was, it was such an experience. So it's definitely something worthwhile doing. Um, I don't, I don't think the people, the paramedics get lots of, you know, real positive feedback, but for me, I just, they were my heroes. And I think for them, it was nice to have a bit of feedback Absolutely. and meet me. Obviously I'm amazing. So they were really happy to meet me. <laughs> yeah you're very modest as well aren't you <laughs> absolutely absolutely. i'm a south african modest south african
0: <laughs> no but you're right i think they they get uh, well from what i understand there's um they don't always get those wins when they don't um, i think i've saw one of the sort of 999 programs that's on tv and there was a a, a paramedic and she, i think she'd done it 15 times and that that when they were happened to be filming it they happened to she got her first rosk which was uh, quite amazing really but it shows you how many how many failures they have to go or not failures not non successes uh, if you like uh, before they get a, a good result and it's worth us letting them know that we're okay once they've actually gone away and uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if they go through a debrief or what they think about afterwards, but because um, I know we're just part of the job, but we're, what they, the impact that they've had on our life and our our families' lives is just uh, well, it's life changing, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think one of the girls that was um, involved in my my um, saving, she's been there for twenty years, and she's never ever ever met a survivor, or never had a survivor from a cardiac arrest. So I think for them, it's it probably reinforced that what they do is, um, you know, fantastic. Um, and for for us meeting those people, you know, giving them a hug and a cry, and it, it's, it's absolutely a – it's a bit of – not a life changer, but it's a real fulfillment, I think, being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And some of the other things you've been doing uh, lately is uh, sort of putting out uh, leaflets in some of your local hospitals, which is uh, really good. Thank you very much for doing that. And um, you're going to be hitting any more? Yes, I am. I've got – Sad has sent me a
1: whole lot of leaflets. Like in my flat. Um, I'm planning on going around some of the doctor surgeries and just um, give them out. Um, I went to the hospital a year. wasn't quite sure how to really tackle it, but um, I got myself into the right areas. Um, I think I spoke to the um, was it the psychology department um I can't remember, occupational therapy, I think it was actually. And um, I walked in I started crying. And <laughs> I gave them the leaflets and they had a good chat with me. And I guess I think finding this group has been, for me, has been such a lifesaver. Um, before I found the group, the information that I was given was very, very sketchy. It was all more relevant to heart attacks. Um, finding this group with everything that you've done has been just fantastic. The information that's on there, the support from the people, meeting the people, um, I guess, I've made, some, I've made some friends through this group. It's been really, really fantastic. And what I want to be able to do is is by giving the leaflets out, if there's only one person that actually gets to the group, makes their life better, it is absolutely worth it. It has been for me a real lifesaver. And I'd like to be able to do the same for somebody else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's great. It, it, that was how I set out, actually. It's um, funny you saying that, that if I could just help one other person, then my goal would have been met. So it's great that just passing that luck on that information on uh, just to one other person can can have what well, open up a whole new world like you say you've met loads of people and you've uh, got some new friends and also you've come to a couple of the meetups as well which uh, i hope you found invaluable because last time you weren't actually going to come to the not alone meeting not alone meetup were you
1: No, I had some some personal challenges around that, Um, but I I was kind of convinced a little bit by you and by some of the other people to come along, and I'm really happy I went. Um, I was not going to come because I didn't want to. It was more just circumstances, but I'm really pleased I went. I've made some more good friends up there. Um, There's some absolutely cracking people in the group, and it's um, very nice to see other people's situations, share stories, have a laugh, have a cry, have a few beers, have a boogie, and then um, we do it all again next year.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully we can have more uh, more meetups that are going to be uh, regular and smaller ones. Um, and I know you've been involved with doing that with um, uh, the people in your local area, haven't you? You've had a couple of meetups in a pub. Correct.
1: Yes, definitely. We'll be doing a few more. Actually, I reached out today earlier to Paul and Claire saying we've got to sort something out again. Um, it's always good. I think it's... We've had a few people come to the meetups and they haven't been to the big meetup yet, but um, it's just people come there and I think it's just a bit of a community feel and feeling accepted and other people that's also at the same as you. It's such a, a binding thing and it you know it makes all feel normal, I think, which is, is, is really, really, really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And fi- finding normal is uh, quite difficult, as, uh, as many of us will know. Um, I think we 're coming to the end now. I was just wondering if you 've got any sort of tips or advice you give to other survivors uh, that are just sort of starting their journey or part along the way or maybe having trouble getting back into work sure. uh, I guess the the
1: most important thing is
0: just i think
1: everybody says be kind to yourself. It is a very difficult, long journey. Um, we all re- respond differently to it. Um, listen to your body. Um, there's a few people that I've spoken to that I've said you've just got to give yourself time. You know, don't push yourself too much. It will get better, but it takes time. And I realise this is not a a week long journey. This is years. But I don't think we ever get back to the way we were. But there's no reason we can't go a hell of a long way. And we have an opportunity to start life again and make the most of it and enjoy life it's um,
0: such a precious thing it is indeed it is indeed there's uh, some very wise words there villam and thank you very much for chatting with me it's been a real pleasure and uh, hopefully i'll speak to you again soon thank you very much thanks
1: paul and thanks for everything you've done